What's up Mzanzi? Welcome to episode 321. I'm your host Octavius Pandil. Now animal age and fat cover are two main factors used in the classification of meat used by South African abattoirs. There's definitely a system that classifies meat and if you want to know more about those categories, continue to listen to an insightful conversation with the National Manager of South African Meat Industry Company, SAMIC, Chris Ngazela, explaining some important information for farmers to know. Chris, welcome to Farmers Inside Jack. You know, meat quality comes with a variety of standards, both in treatment of animals and the way meat is handled. Can you share with us a brief overview of what that standards look like and what farmers need to be aware of? Thank you very much, Octavia. There's a lot of standards that governs the meat industry. So they, I always say to farmers that they need to understand that they need to slaughter at the registered abattoirs and preferably that meat classification so that they can actually have a overview of what's happening in the farm. Because meat classification does that for you because when you get the report back, it actually measures what you do in the farm. For example, if you have carcasses that are being beaten that are not handled humanely on the farm, at the abattoir, you're going to have those animals that will cost you money because you will have damages that will be penalized on your price. If you're not following your health management to the T, then you're going to have diseased or sick animals that get slaughtered at the abattoir. And the classification report will actually report that back to you that you've had an animal that had that disease or it had an injection site. So your guys on the farm didn't follow the proper withdrawal periods of the vaccines and all of that stuff. So the meat classification is definitely there to measure your management on the farm. It is there to measure the handling, your health management, your environment, your hygiene. It's actually quite very important for farmers to be able to know what the product they putting out there if it meets the requirements of the consumer. Because at the end of the day, the consumer is king. We were speaking about meat grading and meat classification and the term has obviously changed. Can you maybe just explain why it's been chosen to be classified now? Meat grading was a term that was used in the past where the totally different system where they had top A and top C grades and stuff like that. So that was back in the day, they used to slaughter today and then the next day they will grade and then the next day they will auction the carcass. So we had very minimum abattoirs at that time. I think about 12 control abattoirs. At the moment, we're sitting at about 357 registered abattoirs nationally. When the number of abattoirs increased and also they actually dissolved the meat board and everything else, they came up with a meat classification system, which is a descriptive system, which describes the carcass over the telephone according to the age of the animal, according to the fat distribution of that animal, according to the condition of that animal. That means that the meat ratio to bone ratio of that animal if there's any damages. So you can buy now without seeing the carcass because the system describes the quality traits of that carcass. So that is now the two differences. And now the current system, which is the meat classification, it describes the carcass. You don't have to be physically there. And now you can be sitting here in Florida, order meat in Cape Town. You don't have to go to Cape Town. You order it over the phone. You want the A class on beef, or if it's pork, you want the P class with the three confirmation, they will deliver exactly what they have described to them according to meat classification. So with meat carcasses, they are classified after slaughtering, right? Why is that and what does that classified system look like? 
basically what happens, the animals are delivered under the abattoir and there's certain processes that the farmers need to follow, removal certificate, brand marks on the animals and everything else. Depending on the distance that they actually travel, the Meat Safety Act that governs the slaughter part in the abattoir will prescribe if you've done less than 100 kilos, the animals must rest for an hour because there's a lot of stress that the animals go through. Remember, it's from your known territory on the farm. Now you are in transit, then you get offloaded. The animals are under stress. So that rest period is to actually make sure the animal acclimatizes to the new environment. And then when it is slaughtered, it is a bit cow. Then the slaughter process takes place. Now, classification, just need to mention that red meat classification deals with beef, with a small stock that is lamb and mutton and goats, and also pork. The classification standard on all three species is actually quite different. So for the sake of example, I will make use of beef. The animal gets slaughtered. It gets stunned in the standing box. Other people say we shoot it, but there's a special standing gun and a standing bullet that is used to make the animal unconscious. Then within a minute, it's got to be bled. Then six minutes bleeding period to eight minutes. And then after that, the slaughter process starts. And the bleeding area after that is where they take off the head. So classification starts there because they need to count the age of that animal is counted by counting impermanent incisors on the animal. So that's what determines the age of the animal. So the descanning and everything goes through and then it goes to the meat classification point where trained classifier, independent as well, makes use now of the five characteristics of meat classification, which is um, the age. We'll look also at the fat distribution. When we talk fat, we talk about subcutaneous fat. We don't talk about marbre. And then we look at the what we call confirmation. Confirmation is the bone to meat ratio. And then we look at any damages. And then we look at the sex of the animal, whether it's a male or a female animal. From there on, they put the stems and then the animals goes into the chiller. We have to slaughter it first so that we can see the fat on the animal. That's actually very interesting. And specifically looking at those five components of classifying. And I think that that would be very informative to our listeners. It's getting to the meat classified stamps or the markings, as you've mentioned. And so the quality of the meat is indicated on the carcass and it's stamped. If I'm correct, that it's stamped in letters in a certain color. Is there a standard of the color for each animal or the mark, or does it differ depending on, like you said, beef and lamb? Let's just get into that. As I mentioned, the five components, we're going to start with age of the animals. We're talking about beef and uh, a small stock here. So we've got four different age classes in the meat classification system. We've got the A class, a AB class, a B class, and the C class. So remember I said earlier that age is determined by the number of permanent incisors in the mouth. So an A class, which is in purple in color, the letter that is stamped on the animal. On the beef, that animal has got no permanent incisors. It's still got milk teeth. So that animal is on average less than 18 months old. The next age group will be an AB, which is an animal that has cut one or two. That animal will be more than 18 months. So it will be marked a AB stem that is green in color. And then we have a class next that is a B class. The stem is brown in color. And that animal's age, it will have cut three to six teeth. And then we have a C class, which is the last class with an animal that has cut seven to eight teeth. That's an old Madalas, those ones, animals. And they are roller mark or stem red in color. So those are the four different classes and the colors. 
And then we go, the second pillar that we look at is the fat. The fat, as I mentioned, and I will talk about subcutaneous fat, we're looking at the fat between the meat and the skin. That is the fat we're looking at. We're looking at that fat spread. We don't consider the fat within the muscle, which is called marbling. Because marbling is breed dependent. And we've got more than 30 registered breeds on beef in South Africa. And not all of them have got natural marbling. So if we make use of marbling, that means that we'll be closing the door for the other breed. So we only work on subcutaneous fat. So that stem is stem zero to six, depending on the fatness layer on the carcass, and it's stemmed in pebble. And then we go then to the next category, which will be the confirmation. Remember I said confirmation is the meat to bone ratio. We are all in the business of selling meat, not bones. So you need a very much rounder carcass where you can harvest bone meat. So the confirmation works from stem one to stem five. One saying that the animal structure is very flat, so there's more bone, less meat. You have two, which is flat, also much more bones and less meat. Then you have what we call medium, which is confirmation three. Confirmation three is your minimum where you'll have just more than 50% meat and less bone. So that's basically what one needs to strive for, at least for the three or the four, which is around the carcass. And then a five hole will be a very round carcass where you will definitely there harvest more than 60, 70% meat and less bone. So that's where one needs to actually strive for. But one thing I need to mention about confirmation is the fact that meat confirmation is also breed dependent. Because if you're looking at the dual breeds where it's milk and also can be used for meat as well, those are built for milk, so with big others. So the structure is not going to be rounder, so you will have more a one to two confirmation of that. Because they're not purely meat breeds. They're more like dual, but more on the milk side. And then you have your meat breeds, which should actually be from three confirmation upwards. Confirmation stamp is green also in color. And then the fourth one we look at is damage. The damage means that the animal is damaged due to, it can be transportation, where the, uh, the, the truck is not on standard, or the truck becomes overloaded. If once it's down, it can be trampled by the others. It can also be due to underloading where there's too much movement on the truck. It can be also be done by human handling of animals on the farm or at the abattoir if the guys make use of sticks and stones and stuff like that to hit the animals for them to move. Damages can also be caused by your health management, the way you inject animals. If you don't inject them properly, that can also cause damages. So damages is a penalty that you will get from the abattoir. We've got three types of damages. We've got a one damage with a very slight damage, and that is marked by a brown color ink, the stamp of the carcass, in the vicinity where the damage is. So we probably will have a damage either on the hind quarter, or it can be in the loin area, or it can be the fore quarter area. And then we have another damage where we will call it a two coat damage, which is moderate damaging. So that means that the fat and some meat have been cut away maybe due to bruising or whatever, that will be a two damage that actually have a, a bit of a higher penalty. And then you've got the third one, which is a three damage. Three damage is when it's severe. So where you cut meat, fat, and bone away from the abattoir, let's say a broken leg or a, um, a, a, a injection site, only one is to cut deep in to cut out all the contamination of the meat. So that will be a three-coat damage that will truly, the abbot will penalize you more money on that. 
Then we look at the fifth one, which is the sex of the animal. So uncastrated bulls will be marked MD in the black ink. The stamp is MD, which means manlegged deer. I don't know in English, but we call it manlegged deer in Africans. <laughs> that is the MD stamp, which basically marks that this is a uncastrated animal of which it might affect the quality of the meat. It might be tough. So most abattoirs for uncastrated, uh, and the MD stamp only applies to class AB to class C. Class A is not included because class A is believed to be a bit tender. So um, so that, 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 that is how the, the stems and the marking and the colors work. Thank you so much. You've actually also answered a little bit of my next question, which is about the age of the animal and the certain group for the type of meat in your previous question. So I am going to jump off to my final question, which is the fat layer distribution. It's also an important factor. So I'm curious to know who determines that fat layer and what is classified as a quality fat layer on that meat. As I mentioned earlier, that we have independent qualified meat classifiers at Abbott. What do we mean about the regulation? The meat classification regulations, which is R55 as amended on 26 May 2023, falls under the ABS Act, Agricultural Product Standard Act 119 of 1990. So that is the act that we make use for meat classification. So the act clearly says that, that the meat classifier at the abattoir cannot work directly for the abattoir. They have to work for an independent service provider. It's very important to stress the independence because as we said that the classification is a descriptive system. It is a system that the abattoir and the farmer makes use of for a monetary value, for payments. Your A class has got a different price as your A, B, your B, and your C class. So that's what the, the classification system determines. As well as FET as well, they've got different pricing on that as well. So if the avatar employs directly the mid-classifier, they can easily influence that person. So the regulations were written in a way that we say independent to take away that influence so that the guy works independently. And also, I must just mention that CEMIC, we have guys in all the provinces in the field that visits these abattoirs that are doing meat classification. So we visit them 10 times a year, and it's all unannounced. And when they sign that they want to take up meat classification, they understand that we can rock up at any time, and they cannot deny us entry because we need to measure whether they are using meat classification regulation correctly. We are actually assigned company by the Department of Agriculture. We have to make sure that the playing field is level. As I mentioned, the fat is from zero to six. So zero means that the animal has got the total area of, of the carcass has got zero millimeter fat. That means, remember, we, we spoke about subcutaneous fat, that's visible fat. I'm not talking about intramuscular. And the regulations also say that we discard the fat around the tail because even if the animal is very, very lean, there's always fat around the tail. So if it's zero, then you get a different price. So it's the fat code that's stamped on the carcass by the meat classifier is zero. And then you've got one millimeter fat where they will stamp a one fat on the carcass, a code one, which means that you've got less than one millimeter fat coverage on the carcass itself. So what I always say to farmers that they need to understand, a zero and the one fed clearly tells you as a farmer that you have underfed the animals on the farm. They were not getting enough feed, so you look at that, or else it can happen that this animal 
have been sick at one stage, so they couldn't keep up to get the fat on the carcass. Actually, recently happened when I had a carcass competition of emerging farmers that I had to judge the other day. And this old man fed four cattle. A one actually classified as an A3, and the other two was A2s, and the other one was an A1. And I said to him, listen, yeah, you can see in that trial, this was a dominant one because it was eating more, so it was pulling all the other animals. And the one that actually was the A1, which is, is what less fed, you can see was a lighter carcass. Definitely that carcass was bullied. The other three had to eat first and then he will eat afterwards. So again, it gives the farmer an indication that I need to look at what I put together in the group. Or maybe I must put more feeding trials in the trial because he was feeding on, on one feeding trial. If you're feeding one feeding trial, that means that the dominant animals will always eat most of the food and then the, the less dominant ones will eat the leftovers. Then we've got a code tool, which is more what the consumer is looking for. We slaughter 80 plus percent of A2s or AB2s, B2s. The tool simply means that the animal fat is lean. It's not very lean, so it's just lean and it's not fat as well. So because of all the cholesterol, high blood pressure and everything else, people are looking for leaner meat. So that's basically what uh, most people are looking for. That means if you plus out a two-fed cow, that means as a farmer, it gives you a satisfaction that your feeding, that means your nutrition and your feeding ratios on the farm are correct. Then you have a fed cow three, which is very close to a two. Most of the avocados will pay you the same price for the two and the three because it's regarded more or less very close enough to each other. Then you have a cold four. That means that your animal has got much more fat. So that means that you have overfed the animal. So you get penalized on the fat. And a coat for animal five and six, all those three means that you are overfeeding the animal. So you're losing money on the extra feed that you fed the animal. And also you're going to lose money on the hook because there is people that want fat, but do they want fat every day? That is actually the question out there. Can you eat that much fat on a daily basis? And also looking at all the diseases and stuff that is actually associated with that overfed on the meat itself. So that's basically how the fat works. Well, the biggest issue that I think I've seen the emerging farmers is a lack of understanding of the system. It's not like they cannot do it, they can do it. But that's why now we offer this information to the farmers. I work with a lot of commodity organizations for the pork. I work closely with SAPO. For beef and small stock, I work closely with Aramaitad, with Oparo, with their projects of emerging farmers. So they come with the production side, I come with the side of what is the consumer looking for. So we try to marry that together so that the guys have information and I always make sure that the guys understand how the abattoirs work. Because most of them will say that they don't want to go to abattoirs, but abattoirs are paying the commercial farmer better than they're paying them. But I always say to them, but are you giving them what they want? And now they start understanding, which gives me joy because there's a lot of emerging black farmers that are making use of abattoirs. They are sending good quality animals to abattoirs. Thanks so much, Chris and Gazela. For more on the topic, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. And this week we celebrate hashtag Soul Sister Lebohang Sabia, a determined agripreneur whose journey from corporate life to farming excellence shines in the Kuteva Agri Science. Women Agripreneur Program. A story of dedication and triumph inspires people across Mzanzi. I think it's absolutely empowering. It's absolutely amazing to be a woman in the agricultural field. It feels so natural. And when I'm working the land, it's so natural. It comes so easily. I don't get tired out by it. I enjoy it. Every time I'm out in the field, I always make sure that I 
pluck a weed. It's so nice to engage with the soil and to engage with the crops. And so being a woman, I think a lot of people are embracing young black females who are entering into the agricultural space. And that pushes me more. And I think that also gives other women more motivation to get into the sector. But people are embracing it. I'm getting a lot of advice, a lot of encouragement from people who were farmers before and people who have interest in farming. Lebohang Siabia is one of the phenomenal women selected to participate in the 2023 Hashtag Soul program. Catch a full interview on www.foodformzanzi.co.za and on Foodformzanzi's YouTube channel. And that's a wrap. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. From me, Octavius Pandil, our technical producer, Megan Panderfriend, and the rest of the hashtag FoodFormZanzi. Thanks for listening. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.